Hello, welcome to the Sound of History podcast. My name is Nick. Uh, <laughs> my name is Mika. This is a music history podcast where I am teaching Mika the whole story of so far American music history. And I go, Wah! yes, quite often. It's a spooky episode where I go. <laughs> this is our one episode for October, so it's got to be the Halloween episode. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know what to, I would say follow us on social media, but we don't do anything on there. You can still follow us if you want. I don't know. Just don't give up on us, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we, we're not going anywhere. (laughs) We were trapped. Well, I was traveling for a bit and then we traveled for a bit and now we're back. So I'm hoping we'll be a little bit more regular because we don't have any trips planned for a while. So I have a wedding that I'm in. Sure. But like. Like you were in Savannah, then I was in Indianapolis, and then we were in Jamaica. So like we've just been gone. So now that we're back, maybe we'll find more time. So hopefully we'll be a little bit more regular. Anyway, you're always so hopeful. Yeah, <laughs> I've just come to accept certain things about myself. Anyway, before we get started on this bonus episode that I am excited about, we'll let Mika have her show within our show. Mika is the host now. Mika is the host now. Oh, wait. Was that my cue? Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, Big Yawn. I would like to plug Big Kitty Yawns. He's so cute. Yeah, I love our cats. It's not a plug because I don't think it's the best dip powder, but I like that my nails are white, but now they're going to glow green. When oh, I went, you did the glow in the dark ones? Yeah, I did the glow in the dark ones. When I went in the pantry to like get stuff for dinner, they'd been charging up in the sun all day. And so I like put my hand in the pantry and it immediately <laughs> was like glowing green. I was nice. like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. So if you want glow in the dark nails, Dipwell has some glow in the dark powder, but it's really finicky. So it's not like a hard, hard and fast recommendation. I like. I like Midnight Library. I feel like I'm behind. That is a book. I feel by the like way. everyone has read it or knows about it, but it was really read. good. It was really good. It was heavier than I expected, but also in a light, digestible way, and I really loved it. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. It's a good book. You can listen to our friends in Novel Nashville talk about it. That's true. This month? Is it October? No, October is... Oh, it's the Practical, Practical Magic. Magic. Right. And then November is Midnight Library. So you have time to like get it, and then you can listen to a virtual book club with two adorable people in it. It's really nice. I like it a lot. It's kind of like being in the room with them, which I like because they are my friends. Sorry, if you hear noises, our cat will not leave the table. But he's so cute. He's scratchy his face on the mic. I try to edit out most of the noises, but I won't be able to get them all because this table is creaky. So I am sorry. All right, anything else to plug? I like my sunscreen. Okay. The Bliss sunscreen from Target. It's in a yellow tube, and it works really great. We were in Jamaica. I did not get sunburned. It is a miracle. And it's got a tint. And it's like kind of like a matte blurring finish. And it actually is waterproof. And it's really good. And I like it a lot. And I just stole that recommendation from other YouTubers that I like. Other? <laughs> Sounds yeah. like you're calling yourself a YouTuber. <laughs> I'm dropping my first <laughs> vlog. <laughs> my, my first vlog is <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> You'll have At 2 one, video, <laughs> one video every six months. <laughs> Maybe. That's what the banner says. <laughs> it's just like black and white because I don't have the energy to put any time into it. There's no editing in the vlog. You can only, you can barely hear me. <laughs> what are you saying about black and white logos? That's what our logo is. <laughs> I didn't get the mind picture out in my words it's <laughs> just a mean. white it's... background with black text yeah <laughs> and no logo anyway all right mika no longer the i host think now. i'm done talking okay. now please <laughs> okay mika no longer the host now so 
What do you remember about the past few episodes we've done? I don't. But you liked these. I was hoping you'd actually remember them. Are we still on disco? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember disco. Yeah, we did disco and then we did the Bee Gees. Oh, I thought we did something in between there. No. That's why... Yeah, I like just, them. We, we've just been on disco for like three months. I love we disco. Don't record. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to give us a brief recap of disco? Disco. Sad people make happy music and <laughs> dance. It's awesome. The, it, it has the a driving beat where it goes do 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 <laughs> on all of the on all of the things. The Bee Gees. One has really good hair. The other two were kind of sus. <laughs> There were guns involved in divorce. <laughs> Good artist, though. <laughs> the one, it seems really nice. And I think you can tell because all the niceness is located in his hair. Okay. Good recap. Yeah. Today, I thought it was fitting to talk about a band that isn't really disco, but are kind of disco adjacent. And I wanted to know more about them. So I wanted to write the episode. And, like, I don't... they. They're just pop. Like, I don't know where they fit. I don't know why you say that they're not disco. They aren't. Not all of their stuff is. They're disco adjacent. They're very, they're like Euro pop is, I guess, their technical genre, but they're just pop. They're ABBA. What do you know about ABBA? You are the dancing queen, not a sweet only 17. Is that it? <laughs> That's all you got? No, I got a lot more. You want me to just no, think through their discography? <laughs> asking you what songs you know, <laughs> what you know about the band and them. I don't know a lot about them. I know okay. that they're like Swedish. Yep. Good job. I know that they're awesome. <laughs> I know that I like listening to them to make me happy. Well, we got a lot of their songs, I'm pretty sure. This is a longer episode, by the way, which I feel like they're all getting longer as I know more about these bands and want to write longer episodes. I, yeah, well, yeah, there's going to be more information available, right. like the closer and closer we get to present day. Right. But also, I am going to make a prediction. I thought you were going to say, like, I'm going to make, like, Swedish meatballs so we can have a nice little appetizer. Who do you think I am? <laughs> Ikea? I don't know. I was just expect what okay what's your prediction i think that i am going to know the majority of these songs for the first time ever yeah you won't know the first two for sure i actually the first three that i'm gonna play you will not first three okay four maybe dude out of how many i'll give you a hint they're not abba songs so you're not gonna know them well then what the hell are they doing here (laughs) we'll get there all right. Well, I feel like I know their discography decently well, thanks to mm-hmm. Madison. So I, I, for the first time ever, I think I'm going to know the cool. music that we're listening to. Yeah. I don't think that's happened before. Right? I mean, I Queen. Think probably, yeah, Queen. You probably knew some Elvis more than you thought. Billy Joel. Bill, you I know music. Billy. I know a lot of Billy because of you. I know Queen. Yeah. Okay. All but right. still, it doesn't come around very often. Right, yeah. Well, this is going to be another one where we jump back in time, so you got to be ready with your noises. Hold on, hold on. I have. <laughs> got to channel have, it. No, I I have another I have another thing that I would like to ask you because I told you okay. that I have questions, right? Courtesy of Madison, right? And I'm curious if you know the answers and if the answers are already in the episode or not, and if they're not, then we'll just Google after we're done. Okay. But the questions are. Well, the issue is. I wrote this a long time ago because we don't record very much. So I might not remember if they're actually in here. Well, we'll just see what happens. Yeah. And then we'll see it. And then we'll regroup at the end. Yeah, and exactly. See if these questions are answered. Okay. So true or false for both of these? The Is only, only two? It's just two. Okay. The only English that they know is their song lyrics. Okay. That was a question. Is that true? No. Okay. I don't know if you want me to give it away, but, <laughs> but no, it's not. That was a, apparently that is like an actual question that people have about ABBA. I they're don't not, know. They're not great, but I mean, they give interviews in English, so they're not, they do know English. But are all of the interview words, words that are also <laughs> in one of their songs. They wrote so many. cross-referenced that... it? <laughs> Baby. <laughs> the other question, um, 
is that are all of their costumes, like their elaborate costumes, yeah. clothes that they wanted to wear, and they they used them as costumes as a tax write-off. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, we'll say yes for that one. <laughs> okay, are we ready to ready we'll to ready see if that comes up in the script? Yeah, I'm really curious about your uh, take on their fashion, which you always comment on. That's true. Well, there's a lot of Swedish words and city names in the opening of this story, so just bear with me as I butcher all of those. Why didn't you look up how to pronounce them? I, because it's more fun for me to just butcher them. But it's not respectful. No, but it is if I say I'm going to do it wrong and I apologize up front. Anyway, Benny Anderson, which is probably the easiest name that I'll get in this whole story, was born in 1946 in Stockholm, Sweden. You got it. Well, I know Stockholm. (laughs) I didn't know that's where Stockholm was. His dad was a civil engineer, and both his father and his grandfather really enjoyed playing the accordion. And Benny got his own at the age of six and started to learn how to play it. That's adorable and bold. Like, yeah. that's the same as giving a small child a violin, which right. my parents did. And I yes. don't know why. <laughs> but, like, ooh. Yep. Uh, as a kid, he discovered Elvis and wanted to start playing in rock bands. But his father and his grandfather had taught him how to play folk songs. So that's kind of the two influences going on in his early life. Oh, no. However is he going to blend them? You can't go from folk to rock. (laughs) You only have the one genre of music that you stay in forever. Benny decided not to follow his father into the construction business, and he quit his job as a custodian to play piano for a Swedish pop group called the Hep Stars in 1964. Okay. Okay. Nothing to comment on that? No. I would do the same thing. Yeah. The Hep Stars actually became one of the biggest acts in Sweden. They were eventually known as the Swedish Beatles, which I feel like any mildly successful pop group is going to be known as. Yeah, I don't think that that's hard. How big is Sweden? Like geographic wise, like square footage, it's decently big, but I don't think it has a big population at all. Let's see. 10.35 million as of 2020. In 1960, it looks like it was about 7 million. Yeah, that's not a lot for a whole country. How many people are in the U.S.? It's like 300 million, I think, right? Population USA. That sounds like... um. A song. No, it sounds like, like a golf, like a mini golf oh. area. I don't know why. I'm seeing that or like a post-apocalyptic book. Oh. Yeah, we have 329.5 million. Cool. In 2020. Okay, we ready to move on back to the Hep Stars? Yeah. In March of 1965, the Hep Stars had their first hit with a song called Cadillac, but they mostly played cover songs of international hits. All in all, the group had 15 chart hits in Sweden, including a song that Benny wrote. But it was the studio recording time that really piqued Benny's interest. Here is Cadillac by the Hep Stars. See, I told you you wouldn't know this one. I don't think this is a good name. Hep stars. You also don't know what that really means in Swedish. My baby drew up in a brand new Cadillac. Benny rocking out on the keys. My baby drew up in a brand new Cadillac. Well, no wonder she threw up. If you drive like you are moving right now, it's not a smooth drive. That's the Hep Stars. I don't like them. Okay. By the end of the 60s, things were rough for the Hep Stars. Their management organization didn't do a great job with the financials, and Sweden's economy was in a tough spot anyway, so the band started trying to navigate toward a wider audience. Why would Sweden's economy be bad? I don't know. It's weird. Like, they're trying to get... Basically, they're trying to break out of Sweden and become popular in, like, the USA and England and the higher-paying markets. 
They brought in an American singer, which meant that they kicked out the old singer. In 1966, Benny met a singer named, oh boy, Bjorn Ulvaeus, and had started to write songs with him. For a while, Bjorn stepped in to replace the Hepstar singer, but eventually the group just decided to call it quits and went their separate ways. What happened to the American guy? Uh, I think it might have been a female, actually, but I don't know. It just didn't really work out, so they moved on. Uh, We're going back in time. (laughs) Bjorn Ulvaeus was born in Gothenburg, Sweden in 1945. As a teenager, he fell in love with rock and roll and skiffle, your old favorite. Is that when they use the other things that are not instruments? Yes. Are you being sarcastic? Did I not like it? Yes, you did not like it. (laughs) It's been a running theme that we bring up every episode. Okay, it sounds kind of fun, but I guess it could also sound bad. Yeah, I I mean, you didn't like the one band I played as an example, so you might have liked other skiffle. I don't know. I like... On, the only skiffle that I like is Trash in the Camp from Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As a, Yeah, okay, we already said that. By the early 60s, he was in a folk group called the West Bay Singers. How'd he end up in folk too? All these people try to jump from rock and roll, folk and back. I think the 60s was kind of like a big folk revival type scene, like Woody Guthrie, uh, the other guy. Whose name I'm blanking on. That sounds really (laughs) popular right now. (laughs) He was like Bob Dylan's biggest influence. I can't remember his name, but like they were happening around then. Anyway, the group entered a talent competition put on by a radio station, which brought them to the attention of a songwriter and publisher named Stig Anderson. Stig had recently started a record company and he signed the group. But during that signing process, they changed their name to the Hootenanny Singers. Hell yeah. (laughs) That's a band name. <laughs> I thought you would like that one. The Hootenanny Singers became one of the biggest acts in Sweden during the 60s. And, as you might expect, they ran into the Hep Stars while touring. So these are playing different genres, but still two of the bigger Swedish bands. That's how Bjorn and Benny started hanging out and wanting to work together. Stig Anderson saw the potential in their collaboration and encouraged them to write more together. So by the end of the 60s, Benny was out of the Hep Stars and the Hootenanny Singers only existed as a recording band. They weren't touring. So they both started to really focus on their writing and producing partnership under Stig's label. You following? We've had a lot of names, a lot of bands going on here. Bjorn and Benny. Yes. They're now working together, signed to Stig's label as Bjorn like writers. Bjorn and Benny gonna write some bangers. That's their theme song. <laughs> okay. You're not wrong. In 1969, they started to have their first real hits with a song recorded by the Hepstars and one recorded by Britta Borg, which was called, oh, no, Juva Sextital, <laughs> <laughs> which is Swedish for Sweet Sixties. Is it? <laughs> Apparently. What's that one called again? Sweet Sixties. Okay, well, here's that song that was oh, written. Oh, I didn't go see it. That was written by Bjorn and Benny and released by Britta Borg. See, that's the name of it. How would you say it? This is some great writing. <laughs> is he playing the accordion in this? He might have been. Alright, well that's one of their first Why are they like carting logs? I don't know. It's called Sweet Sixties in English. Also in 1969, Benny submitted a song that he wrote to a Eurovision Song Festival. Through that competition, he met Annie Fried. Annie Fried? It's A-N-N-I-F-R-I-D. How? Annifrid? Sure. I don't know. Lingstad. Better known as Frida. Oh, okay. 
going back in time now. Oh, no. <laughs> Frida was born in Jorkesen. Hold on, how do you spell it? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I can't even really spell it because it has letters that... It's spell, spell it with the normal, the what the letter would be in English. B-J-O with a dash through it. R-K-A with a circle above it. S-E-N. <laughs> it came up with an, an Ikea piece of furniture. <laughs> it's a laptop stand. That's not where she was born. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Sweden. Is it still a, a lake? It's not in Sweden. Where is it? Norway. It's a small village in northern Norway. Why is it not giving me the option to pronounce it? Say the word. Say no word, say no word, say I love you. Pro, hold on, maybe I don't need it to be the city. Pronunciation, okay. Damn it, it's still just not playing it. I think that's okay. Uh. Anyway, she was born there, which is a small village in northern Norway. Her mother was Norwegian. And her father was a German sergeant in the Nazi army. (laughs) They met during the German occupation of Norway, and after the war, he would go back to Germany. Frida's mother and grandmother left their Norwegian village because they were afraid of the people who had less than pleasant feelings toward the Nazi soldiers. They settled in Sweden, where her mother soon passed away from kidney failure at the age of 21. Holy cow! Leaving Frida to be mainly raised by her grandmother. Frida always believed that her father died on his way back to Germany when his ship was sunk. But when a magazine published all of the details of her early life, her half-brother saw that and asked his dad about it. So, a few months after that, Frida got to meet her dad for the first time in Stockholm in 1977. So she would have been... 30, maybe? Okay. Frida said that her grandmother often sang folk songs to her, and Frida soon came to be known around their small town for her great voice. She'd be asked to sing for their school on Fridays. I don't know why Fridays, just you know, casual Fridays. At the age of thirteen, at the age of thirteen, she got her first job singing for a dance band. The band leader said about her, "quote It was hard to believe such a young person could sing that well." She was so easy to rehearse with, and she was never shy on stage. The only thing I taught her was to sing out. In those days, she had a tendency of holding back her voice a little. End quote. How are you feeling about Frida so far? Not feeling great about her dad, but... <laughs> yeah, that's reasonable. I think that... I, I Can't help who out, your parents yeah, are. I, I have no feelings about Frida, positive or negative. Okay. I'm glad that she can sing. Good for her. I like her teacher teaching her how to project. Yeah. Through the 60s, she joined or started a few other big bands, all of which included her husband, Ragnar. That's a name. (laughs) That's a good Norwegian name. Ragnar. I heard you named Ragnar. You have a boring name. Your name is Nicholas. Excuse me. Why couldn't you be Ragnar? We could be Mika and Ragnar. No one would want to be our friends. No one would expect we're just like (laughs) boring Tennessee white people (laughs) named Mika and Ragnar. Oh, God. People already don't know how to say your name. (laughs) Ragnar. Ragnar, if you spell it phonetically. Sure. You know how to say it. You're reading it right now. Ragnar. But imagine the times where like I order something under my name and you pick it up. (laughs) <laughs> and they say Ragnar, and you're like, right here. <laughs> I think it would be about the same as, as me picking up all of my Kroger pickup orders for the last three months under the name Mike. <laughs> That's true. They would be like, okay, and give me the stuff. 
Anyway, in 1967, Frida won a Swedish talent competition arranged by a record company. The prize was a recording contract with EMI's Swedish subsidiary label. Subsidiary label. Hold on, I have a question. Okay. We went from talking about this girl singing at school on Fridays to her finding like little singing jobs and joining groups and stuff with her husband. Right. Was she a child bride? What's happening here? She was probably pretty young, but like that was a separate paragraph. So we had moved through some time. Well, I why said, didn't you cue my time jump? <laughs> it goes like that this. Big. Boing. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That was the time jump. I said through the 60s, so that kind of encompassed that. We're kind of in like the later 60s now, 67. Okay. Uh, So she won a a recording contract with EMI. She was also supposed to sing her winning song live on Sweden's most popular TV show, but that performance also happened to be on the same day that Sweden switched from driving on the left-hand side to the right-hand side of the road. Because of that, driving was very much discouraged on that day to avoid all of the confusion, so most people were at home watching her sing her song on the television. You're going to have to do it at some point. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't matter if it's that trickle. day or the next day. Everyone's <laughs> going to start driving on a different side of the road. On one day, everyone's going to be confused. Why would you put it off? Just, just slow it. Slow it. Slow the trickle. I don't know. I get it. I get <laughs> wanting to be like, eh, let's not have just everyone do that. Well, everyone's going to do it the next day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. So her performance caused a sensation, and there was a rush to sign her, but EMI got there first. Because they were driving on the correct <laughs> side of the road? They didn't get hit? Like <laughs> She released her first single for them in 1968 called... In Ledig Dog. I don't know what that's pronounced, what that's uh, translated to. There's a little Frida. She's so small. In Lady Dog. Sure. Weekend in Portofino. I don't know where Portofino is. I would guess either Italy or Portugal. Alright, well that's her performance. That's Frida. Very easy listening. And that started a sensation. Yes, that song really just brings up a ton of emotion in me. (laughs) It might if you knew the lyrics. It's easy listening. (laughs) There's no way that they're... It's talking about a nice weekend. Yeah, there's good songs about a nice weekend. Anyway, around this time, she was separated from her husband, Ragnar. Oh, no! After meeting once in the song contest... Frida ran into Benny and Bjorn at a restaurant. They all went back to Benny's to hang out, and Frida left saying that she felt like she had known Benny her whole life. The two would start dating, and by 1971, were living together. While Frida continued to work as a solo singer and playing cabarets and clubs across Sweden. Benny produced her solo debut album, which was just called Frida, and one of the songs that hit number one featured all four members of ABBA. Because at that time, Bjorn had already married Agnetha Falskog. Thanks to Benny and Bjorn's partnership, the two couples were already really good friends. All right, going back in time. Agnetha was born in Jonkoping. I don't know how to pronounce the O's with the umlauts. Is that what they are? Over the, I don't like know. the two dots over the O? Yeah, I have no clue. Anyway, she was born in Sweden in 1950. Her father was a department store manager who had a massive interest in music and show business. By the age of six, she had already written her first song, and by the age of eight, she had started taking piano lessons for the first time. Listen, we all wrote songs when we were six. (laughs) That is not a big deal. I don't think I did. When did you write your first song? Probably like middle school. 
You're late to the game, buddy. <laughs> By the age of eight, you already said that. At 10, she formed a musical trio with her friends called the Cambers. And again, we all did that. <laughs> I definitely didn't. <laughs> Me and my friends did a Cheetah Girls cover band. <laughs> are there videos of this? There are not. <laughs> <laughs> did you play violin? I did not. <laughs> I never learned how to play violin. <laughs> it doesn't seem to matter. <laughs> No, we sang and danced along the exact same as the Cheetah Girls. <laughs> Cheetah Girls, Cheetah Sisters. No. Well, probably good you didn't follow her example because by the age of 15, she decided to leave school and pursue a career in music. Yeah, that's the one thing that not all of us do. She started to perform with a local dance band for a few years. During that time, she broke up with her boyfriend, which inspired a song that brought her some level of recognition in Sweden. Run of the mill. <laughs> That's all songs are. Uh, one of her band members' relatives retired from his rock and roll career and started working at a local label. So that band member sent him a demo tape. After hearing it, he was only interested in Agnetha and her song. So she left the band to sign a recording contract. Her debut single, Jagvar Sakar. Topped the Swedish charts in 1968 and sold over 80,000 copies. I do actually need to know what that translates to because well, I feel like it translates to, to screw you, ex-boyfriend. <laughs> well, we're about to. I'll let you listen to it now. Look at it. She's so beautiful. really funny that this like breakup song is just played over played over head. like wedding pictures yeah. and like <laughs> her, and her future husband <laughs> well, that, was, that was agnetha's first big hit i like it through the late 60s she continued to see success as a solo artist she got engaged to a german producer who got her some fame in germany and promised she would be a star there but when she went there she said the material they gave her was quote horrible so she turned them down, which had to have been like really hard to do. <laughs> I don't know. She kind of strikes me as a girl who like knows what she wants and right. isn't going to settle. She yeah. seems to have had enough opportunities where she's like, no, I'm just going to wait for someone else to fall at my feet. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. Eventually, and someone did. <laughs> Eventually, she ended the engagement and returned to Sweden. She would perform on the same TV special with Bjorn, and they would start dating, eventually getting married in 1971. The two couples continued with what they were doing separately, routinely appearing on each other's records and collaborating together. So I guess it came about pretty naturally that they would try a project together. In 1972, they released the first ABBA song, even though they weren't yet called ABBA. Or ABBA, I don't know. how to, Is it ABBA or ABBA? I think it's ABBA, technically. Okay. All right. That song would eventually hit number one in Sweden for 15 weeks. I'm like... You're questioning Questioning now? myself. How do you do ABBA? <laughs> ABBA? ABBA? I don't know. Shoot. I think it just depends on what you want. I don't think it has an actual meaning. I think it does. It's got to be whatever they say, right? Yeah. So just brief recap. We have Agnetha and Bjorn. And Frida and Benny. Those are the two separate couples. In Sweden, but it's even better over here. So in Sweden, we call it Abba. That's the name, how we pronounce it. It's Abba. 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 
people that, very, feel that, very attacked. I think that that hurt him <laughs> to say. He's like, Abba. So it's Abba. Okay. <laughs> okay, I was right. Woo. Right. So recap. Do you know the? Do you know their names? You know who? Who's with Bjorn, who? Bjorn, Agatha. Bjorn and Agatha are married. Benny. Yes. Frida. Yep, they are just dating, and then <laughs> Bjorn and Benny are songwriting and producing partners. Agatha and Frida have their own solo stuff going on. I didn't talk into the mic, but that's okay because okay. everyone already knows that was the that was me allowing them to also <laughs> answer. <laughs> they appreciate it. Yeah. Well, here is their first song that eventually would hit number one in Sweden for 15 weeks. They were not called I'm sorry, where are the ladies? This is just Bjorn and Benny's album. So they might have been like session musicians in it, but they're not a band yet. Just collaborating, working with each other. I figured that the I figured that like the things they're the ones that like solo produce. You know, they probably were, but like just more behind the scenes, just, like producers and so on. I feel like I should be in like a like a. a like a carriage that's like going across the Oregon Trail, yeah. like with that. All right. Well, that was their first. <laughs> that's just how I felt. Yeah. I felt like I should be wearing a bonnet and like behind a cow. Get you one? No. In 1973, they entered the Eurovision Song Contest, which is a European song contest. Isn't that like also a movie? Probably. I think Eurovision might be a movie. It was. It's a big deal in Europe. Each yeah, country. It's definitely a movie. So the way Eurovision works is each country submits one song to be played on live TV. Wow. Then people will cast votes to determine a winner. The song that this group submitted, who the group subsequently known as ABBA, submitted placed third in Sweden that year. So they did not get through to the finals with every other country. Wow. But they still released an album together, still basically without a name. Okay. Stig, who was now their manager, was tired of not having a name for them. So he ran a contest where people could submit names. But the rumors are that Stig ignored all of those submitted names and announced that they'd be named ABBA, which he had already started calling them behind the scenes. Why? Um, the name is an acronym of their names. Okay. Agnatha, Benny, Bjorn, and then Annie Freed. Anna Freed, whatever. However you say that. It's also the name of a popular fish canning company in Sweden. <laughs> that has star potential right there. So they had to negotiate for the name with the canning company who only allowed them to use it, quote, if they didn't make them embarrassed to have the same name, end quote. That's hilarious. <laughs> Stig thought they needed a UK or US hit to be successful and thought ABBA was a name that could work well in England and America. Which, I guess, not wrong, but also we say ABBA, so. ABBA. <laughs> that man. <laughs> that pronunciation haunts his dreams. Now we're going to start getting to the songs that you know. <laughs> I'm ready to dance. In 1974, they entered Eurovision again with a song called Waterloo. I know that one. <laughs> this time, they got through to the finals, which were held in Brighton, England and ended up winning the entire competition. Soon after their finals performance, the song hit number one all over Europe and even entered the top ten in the U.S., who really couldn't care less about Eurovision, but it still did really well over here. Here is that Eurovision performance. Watch oh, this one. cool! Uh -oh. Yeah. oh my god, they look ridiculous. I love them. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I have met my destiny in quite a similar way. The history book on the shelf 
they're adorable. Look at those shoes! Holy cow! Look at that guitar. Theirs is amazing. Well, that's their performance of Eurovision that I won them it. the whole competition. After this success, they went on to tour through Europe, but it wasn't as expected. Throughout Europe, they had pretty poor turnout and even had to cancel a few shows in Switzerland because no one wanted to come. But in Scandinavia, they played to packed houses everywhere they went. Part of that has to do with the stigma of winning Eurovision. Winners are often seen as one-hit wonders, and it's really hard to follow that one song up with another that proves you are, like, actually artists. They showed them. Yeah. <laughs> they also were pretty new in trying to figure out what kind of band they actually wanted to be. Bjorn later said, quote, If you look at the singles we released right after Waterloo, we were trying to be more like The Sweet, a semi-glam rock group which was stupid because we were always a pop group. In yeah. In 1974 and 1975, they released several follow-up singles that failed to chart in the UK. But in 1975, they reached the top again with their third album, which was just called ABBA. Their first single, SOS, was a massive hit in the US and the UK. The album hit the top 10, and the second single, Mamma Mia, is still a hit. They capitalized on the emerging medium of the music video to showcase the group's natural chemistry and charisma, which helped the album be successful globally. That's so fun. This album positioned them as pop superstars. I want to watch some music videos. Well, here is the video for SOS. If you can get Ajax out of the way, you can see it. Definitely showcasing their charisma and their chemistry. I can see very much. Well, that was SOS. I mean, it's no Jonas Brothers, but... <laughs> it's also worth noting that Stig Anderson, their manager, was helping to write a lot of these early singles. 1976 really saw the start of their superstar era. They released a Greatest Hits album, which feels a little premature. It's a little early which became their first number one album in the UK and eventually sold a million copies in the US. It included a new single called Fernando, which went to number one in 13 countries. It's awesome. It held the number one spot in Australia for 14 weeks, which was a record until Ed Sheeran broke it with Shape of You. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a long-standing one. Their Shape of You? Really? Yeah. Isn't that the most streamed song on Spotify? Is it really? I think it is. Yeah. Oh. It, was a, it was a massive song. Uh. Their fourth studio album, called Arrival, showcased more of their ability as musicians. It featured more, accom more accomplishment and skill in both songwriting and producing than they had ever really shown before. And it was another smash hit, even getting rave reviews in more rock-oriented magazines. And it spawned several super successful singles. The album's success was largely driven by the lead single, which was released before the album, and it was arguably their biggest song ever and their only number one in the U.S., which is wild. 
The only number the one? The only number one in the U.S. And it is Dancing Queen. No. We're starting with a close-up of the piano again. I can't see them dance. I'm really thankful that she got rid of that perm. <laughs> He's had the same hairstyle his whole life. Both of them. Yeah. <laughs> Bjorn and Benny don't change. Dancing Queen. How do you feel about Dancing Queen? I feel good about Dancing Queen. <laughs> I have a general good feeling about Dancing Queen every single time, forever. You're on record as having a good feeling about Dancing Queen. I have a good feeling about Dancing okay. Queen. I would also suggest that this song was heavily disco inspired. It also attempted to replicate the Phil Spector wall of sound technique. Apparently, Frida cried the first time that Benny played her the backing track. And Agnetha said, quote, it's often difficult to know what will be a hit. The exception was Dancing Queen. We all knew it was going to be massive, end quote. That's cool. I don't know that I would cry hearing the backing music of it. Like, it's good, but it's not, like, super emotional. I don't I know. I mean, if you recognize that it's going to be, a, like, true. your hit. That's fair. That Like, there's a lot of things that come with it. It's not just, like, the musical like art of dancing queen <laughs> in 1977 they started another european tour this time selling out venues everywhere they played when they played in london at the royal albert hall tickets were only available to people who mailed it, mailed in an application to buy them that's awesome we should bring that back I actually it's we kind like of do yeah kind of yeah it's pre-sale and it's like like taylor does it where you like you have to be is on that like a mailing list kind yeah, of thing. Or, or is it like if you buy the album, you have the code? I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't remember. I haven't paid attention. But I know that the, that's kind of the thing. Anyway, the box office received 3.5 million requests for tickets. That's awesome. Which was enough to fill the venue 850 times. Holy cow. The next few singles from the album Arrival also hit number one in many European countries. They were massively popular all over the world, especially in Australia. But their success in the U.S. never quite measured up to what it was in Europe. Which is surprising. But, you know, here we are. Is it? Yeah, because, like, they're very, like, disco-y. And this was, like, yeah. the height of disco time. I don't know. I guess we have snobbery. So we only accept British stars. No one else. I just think it makes sense for them to be really popular in Europe. Like yeah, that makes sense. European. But not breaking through in America is the part that doesn't really make sense. That's fair. When they toured Australia in 1977, they used the footage to make ABBA the movie. Agnetha, because of her blonde hair, was usually seen as the group's pinup girl, which she hated. For that Australia show, she performed in a skin-tight white jumpsuit, which one reviewer commented on saying that, quote, Agnetha's bottom tops dull show, end quote. Yikes. To which Agnetha replied, don't they have bottoms in Australia? End Queen. <laughs> Queen. Yes, honey. They released an ambitious album to coincide with the movie called simply ABBA, the album. It did pretty well on the back of big singles like Take a Chance on Me. In 19, by 1978, they were one of the biggest bands in the world, with major singles charting all over the world. They converted an old movie theater in Stockholm into a state-of-the-art music studio, which was used by other major bands like Genesis and Led Zeppelin. 
That's cool. Also in 1978, Benny and Frida finally got married after more than nine years as a couple. Congratulations to Benny and Frida. But by 1979, cracks were starting to show. In January of 1979, Agnetha and Bjorn announced that they were getting a divorce. Oh, bummer. Benny said about the divorce, quote, In many ways, Agnetha and my divorce was an amicable one. We just grew apart and decided let's split up. End quote. But things might not have been that easy. Agnetha said that she needed therapy after their divorce, exasperated by the fact that Bjorn had a new girlfriend within like a week of their split. This all, uh, yes, you should go to therapy <laughs> in and after yeah. and before a divorce. <laughs> but this was 1979 where that wasn't what it is now. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, honestly, even more props to her then. Yeah, right? Like, way to go. Pro move. I'm proud of you, honey. Probably understandably, people thought this was the end of Ava. But they assured people that they were not done making music. They even said that the split took some stress off of their working partnership. Which, like, probably didn't, but that's just kind of like a PR thing you're going to say. I mean, maybe. If it yeah. becomes more of a business thing than all the... Yeah. If you can separate it, which is It's, the it's hard to do when you're writing, like, emotional love songs. It's hard to kind of separate those, like, former feelings. However, it did hurt their image as happy couples making music together, which was kind of their brand. In 1980, they released an album called Super Troopers, which featured a few songs with more melancholy sounds and lyrics. Here's one of those songs, which is probably my favorite ABBA song, mm. called The Winner Takes It All, which features Agnetha singing the lyrics, Tell me, does she kiss like I used to kiss you? Does it feel the same when she calls your name? So pretty pointed <laughs> lyrics there. Honestly, like, that's the way... This is... It's I a very emotional this. performance on this recording. She did a great job with it. This is the winner take the winner takes it all. Bless you. In nineteen eighty, they toured Japan to great reception, and it would end up being their last international tour of their careers. In January of nineteen eighty one, Bjorn got married again to a girl named Lena. Lena? I don't know. L E N A. Also, Benny and Frida announced that they were also getting a divorce. They had separated in 1980 and divorced in 1981 after Benny told Frida that he had found someone else. 
He would eventually marry a TV presenter named Nora later that same year. These men do move on fast. (laughs) Again, they assured the public that the divorce would not affect their work as ABBA, and they'd continue making music together. In 1981, they released The Visitors, which was their eighth studio album. Although it still did really well by most standards, it was not super commercially successful by ABBA, ABBA standards. It showed more maturity and depth as songwriters, but was still decidedly pop with catchy hooks and harmonies. By 1982, the energy was starting to seep out of the group. Benny and Bjorn were hard at work on a musical called Chess. Frida and Agnetha were busy relaunching their solo careers. In May and June of 1982, the group got together for initial songwriting and recording sessions, but they weren't really sure what they were planning on doing. They talked about a new album, maybe a short tour, but ultimately the sessions were difficult and unproductive. They only got three songs out of it, but the group wasn't happy with them, so the tapes were shelved and they took a break for the summer. They'd end up releasing another compilation album, but they would not record another album of new music. At the end of 1982, they decided they were not going to continue on as a group, arguing that they could always get back together after a break if they wanted to. That's a good argument. (laughs) That's what most bands do. After the breakup, Frida released a solo album produced by Phil Collins. It was a super successful album. She also worked on a children's musical based on ABBA's music called ABBA Cadabra. That's adorable. (laughs) But for the most part, Frida kind of stepped back from the public sphere. She sang on a few different tracks, but mostly just kind of like stayed in the background, which is like fair after that long in the public eye. Agnetha released her first post-ABBA solo album in 1983, which was also a huge success. For the rest of the 80s, she continued her solo career to pretty great success by any standard other than ABBA's success. After her fourth post-ABBA album in 1988, she decided to take a break and kind of disappeared from the public eye for 17 years. I mean, four albums after ABBA, like that's a big deal. That's a lot. Yeah. She made few public appearances and spent most of her time practicing yoga and horse riding at her secluded ranch near Stockholm. That sounds lovely. (laughs) In the mid-90s, her mother committed suicide and her father died a year later, which increased her struggles with depression. In 1997, she started a relationship with a forklift driver, but when she broke it off, he started to stalk her, which resulted in him getting deported to the Netherlands. Bored. In 2004, she returned to music with a new single that was really successful. Benny and Bjorn continue to work together on various projects, including composing the music for Mamma Mia, a musical based on ABBA songs. I didn't know that they worked on that. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's their third musical. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's their second. Frida, or, yeah, Frida okay. did the Frida was the, children's okay. one. They did chess and then Mamma Mia. They've also worked on various ABBA compilations and re-releases. Benny admitted to abusing alcohol most of his life, but he got sober in 2001 and has remained so since. Congratulations, Benny. In May of 2013, Agnetha said that a reunion would never happen. She said, quote, I think we have to accept that it will not happen because we are too old and each one of us has their own life. Too many years have gone by since we stopped and there's really no meaning in putting us together again. But she stressed that the band was on amicable terms, saying it's always nice to see each other now and then and to talk a little and be a little nostalgic. But then, in 2014, she said she'd love to record a few new songs, but it's up to Bjorn and Benny. In 2018, they announced that they recorded two new songs for a TV special later that year, but that was delayed as they worked on a new project that they called Abatars or Abatars. See, it sounds like they want to say ABBA. Is Abatars, Abacadabra. Like, it sounds like yeah. they want it to be pronounced Abba. It kind of does. Or maybe they just went with it because they knew that's how Americans would do it. I guess so. It would be, that project would be a tour of them as avatars. Like blue? No, like holograms. Okay. <laughs> like they've done with Tupac and stuff. Okay. <laughs> Which is like a very creative way of going on tour without leaving your home. <laughs> it sounds like a low, easy, stress-free kind of tour. You just record it and then just play. It's like a touring movie. Yeah. 
and probably it's probably way more difficult than that. But that's what it sounds like in my mind. Yeah. Um, in November of 2021, after a major social media marketing cam- campaign, they released Ava Voyage. Which I was, don't remember that at all. You don't? No. I remember that very like, vividly. Because they were like, it was just a photo of them, like, I think in silhouette or maybe with their back turned. And it was just like that photo. And everyone like started freaking out. Like, are they doing something? Are they getting back together? Like, what's happening? But that was their first album in 40 years. They had said that Voyage would be the last ABBA album ever. But they've hedged on that since. Frida has said, quote, don't be too sure, end quote, that it's the last album. And Benny said that if the girls twist his arm, he can be convinced (laughs) to do it again. (laughs) But in May of 2022, Benny said that nothing will happen after this. Well, I mean, there's a lot of back and forth, so (laughs) sure, whatever. I will leave this episode with their last single. Well, I guess one of their last singles, I Still Have Faith in You from Voyage. See, I think that was the photo that got released. I remember seeing that and like freaking out about it a little bit. I think this was when we were, this podcast was alive when this happened. I still have faith in you. I see. All right, well, as that plays, we can do our outro thoughts about ABBA. What are you thinking about them? I think they're awesome. I really like. That's it? I, I know a few more details about them than yeah. I used to, but like my overall Opinion thoughts hasn't and changed. Like, yeah, like it's just they're like yeah, they, I know about them. They're great. In the grand scheme of musicians we've talked about, they might be like the most unproblematic ones. Like nothing has happened. <laughs> they just want to write their music, release yeah. their songs. Like the divorces and the quick move ons. That was hard, but. That happens. That's just relationships. Yeah, it's just life. Not ours. (laughs) (laughs) Yet. (laughs) We have a few chart-topping albums to release before we can divorce. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, well, I guess we're never going to divorce because we can't, like, top a chart. I think before they released this album, Agnetha said she had to, like, relearn how to sing because she just wasn't singing at all in her, like, 17 years of just being away. Yeah. Because I watched an interview when this was coming out, and the interviewer was like, so do you not just, like, sing around your house? And she's like, no. Like, I just kind of left that all behind. So. All right. Well, that's ABBA. Hope you guys enjoyed it. There's the excitement. There it was. <laughs> So I think after this, we kind of switch tracks quite a bit to punk, I think is next. Yeah. And then we're going to do an episode on the Ramones and then one on uh, the Sex Pistols, just because I wanted to talk about them. Cool. I think that's next. I just want to make sure real quick. Yes. And after that, don't know because I haven't written it. I think we do like new new wave and other stuff like that. Alright, so any final thoughts on ABBA or disco in general as we leave this genre? Um, according to the messy nessy chic dot com in twenty twenty, they say thanks to a Swedish tax law regarding costumes. ABBA's stage clothes were outlandishly designed on purpose, according to the law, as long as the outfits were too impractical for everyday wear and couldn't be worn outside of performance, they were tax deductible. Interesting. So it's not because they wanted to wear them. Yeah. I guess I just misunderstood the question. They didn't have to pay. All right. Well, we solved that. Oh, and uh, The Guardian said that in 2014 that ABBA admitted to it right okay yeah NPR did something on it in 2014 so I'd never heard that messy messy chic had good (laughs) sources when she wrote about it okay alright anything else cool join us in November where we'll talk about punk a little bit which is one of my favorite 
genre. Like I love that the early early punk is one of my favorite things. I'm so. excited to learn more about the early it's days. Exciting. And then the Ramones are great. Sex yeah. Pistols are a trip. So it's it's fun. It'll be a fun time. I'm excited. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.